0: tell you I have a lot of people come to me and I'm very proud and honored I just uh, I can't tell you what it means to have the trust of people when they come to me and say boy I'm really struggling right now I feel a lot of anxiety but you know what I never hear boy I'm really struggling right now I feel a lot of fear I don't think in all the years I've been a therapist, I don't think anybody has ever come to me and said, yep, I'm really afraid. We don't like to talk about fear. We don't name fear. But there is, believe it or not, a science of fear. (laughs) What did you study in school? Oh, biology, chemistry. What did you study? Fear. Fear interesting there actually is a science of fear and it's important to understand what to fear about fear and what not to fear about fear sometimes fear gets a bad rap it's like i fear nothing hmm why would you fear nothing fear is actually a natural process it starts in the mind you anticipate something going wrong and you say ah and then your body reacts and says ah there's a strong physical reaction in your body when you are afraid Now, again, fear sometimes gets a bad rap. Why do you go on roller coasters? Believe it or not, because you like to feel fear. Why do you go to scary movies? Which I don't. You like to feel that fear. So why is it that we like to feel fear? What should we fear about fear? And if you're afraid too much, how do you actually address it? Now, this is a big topic. So I'm going to tell you right now, I will probably divide this podcast into which I'm calling what to fear and not fear about fear and what to do about it. It's not a very concise title, but I like it. But I'll probably break this up because it's a big one. So fear is experienced yes in your mind, but there's also a physical reaction. So as soon as you recognize fear, right? Somebody's coming at you with a knife or or uh, the stock market goes down or a car pulls right out in front of you, there's a part of your brain that reacts. It's called the amygdala, and it alerts the nervous system. And it says, body react. And your body reacts. How does it react? Well, stress hormones like cortisol and adrenaline are released. And cortisol is one of those stress hormones that doesn't really do a lot of good for your body. But it is necessary sometimes for your body to respond to appropriate fear. But that's not the only thing that happens when you're afraid. Your blood pressure, your heart rate increase, your breathing changes, it quickens, Your blood flow even changes. The flow of your blood changes. You don't think about it. You don't say, oh my gosh, I need more blood flow to my muscles because I'm about to get in a fight. But that's exactly what the brain does. You might not be conscious of that, but it does. So a lot of things actually change, right? That's part of that fight or flight response. So there are things that are bad about that stress fight or flight response. There is good. Again, it prepares you to fight when that's necessary or to flee when that's necessary. But what are some of the negative parts of fear? What? How does the body respond that you say, yeah, that's probably not very good. If you are very anxious, aka afraid, your digestive system doesn't work so well. Now, again, that's one of the bad things. So if you're going, oh, man, I have indigestion. One of the first questions I'd ask you is like, well, what are you thinking about? Oh, all the bills and I have no money, (laughs) well, then this is not the time to try to enjoy a meal. But again, positive sides of fear. Your eyesight actually changes, right? It, It actually helps you to survive. Your eyesight becomes sharper. Your heart rate increases. The blood flows to muscles so that you can run faster. Now, there's good and bad. There are things to fear about fear, and there are things to say, you know what, this is killing me. This is not doing what I can. So, again, as you know, I'm a marriage and family therapist with a profound love for Scripture. And so I love to weave in the science, psychology, and Scripture. So, what does Scripture say about fear? Quite a bit. I want to begin talking about this, because if you're thinking about, well, Joe, yeah, I don't need all that faith thing to address my fear. I just need good psychology. Well, I'm glad you want good psychology. <laughs> but nothing can trump what God can do for you to address your fear. And in 1 John, it says, God is love. And when you take, permanent, take a permanent re- residence in a life of love, You live in God and God lives in you. This way, love has the run of the house and becomes at home and mature so that you're free from worry on judgment day. Now, what is there more to be afraid of than eternal judgment? It's not the stock market. It's not that pending job loss. It's not the car breaking down. It's not even that person who seems real threatening and and wants to beat you up. It is judgment because that is forever. But here's the good news again. Here's what God does, who is love. There is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. Fear is crippling. A fearful life, a fear of death, a fear of judgment, you're not yet fully formed in love. So I would say the first place to go, and I'm going to talk about the psychology of fear and what to do from it from a psychological standpoint. But again, from a scriptural standpoint, I'd say if you are feeling anxious, how much time are you spending in prayer? How are you trying to develop that relationship with God? Because fear makes you foggy. Because while some parts of your brain are revving up, when that fight-or-flight mechanism gets triggered, other parts are shutting down. So again, that part of the brain called the amygdala, that's where fear lives. And when the amygdala senses fear, guess what happens to the other parts of your brain, like the uh, cerebral cortex? That's the part where reasoning and judgment live. Well, that becomes impaired. So if you're afraid Or you might say, oh, Joe, I'd never admit to being afraid. But anxious, yes. Okay, fine. (laughs) If you want to say anxious instead of afraid, I'll let you for now. But I want to make an argument that actually identifying what you fear or what you feel as fear can be more beneficial than just saying, yeah, I'm a little anxious today. Name it. What are you afraid of? Because that in itself will allow you to begin addressing that fear response. Now, again, going back to the faith, I love the Psalms. King David wrote so many of the Psalms, right? And he said, God, you shield me on all sides. Psalm 3, he talks about this, and I'm just going to paraphrase it. He said, you ground my feet. You lift my head high with all my might. I shout up to God. I stretch myself out. I sleep. Then I'm up again, rested, tall, steady, and fearless before the enemy mobs coming at me from all sides so how many times have you experienced that sleepless night trouble falling asleep waking up at three in the morning and going let's see how am I going to pay those bills 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 it doesn't matter how you say it you're just not sleeping and it's fear but again, David says, Psalm 27, I think, he said, with God on my side, I'm fearless, afraid of no one and nothing. So again, when your life isn't going as you want because of fear, I say, first, go to your faith. Because as the psalmist says in Psalm 46, he said, God is a safe place to hide, ready to, ready to help you when you need him. You can stand fearless at the cliff edge of doom, courageous in sea storm and earthquakes, before the rush and roar of oceans, the tremors that shift mountains. No matter what's going on in your life, your faith can help found and strengthen you. Now, fear sometimes can become pleasurable. Not too long ago, I had a client say, yeah, I don't know why, but when I was... Oh, seven. He said, I used to do, you know, cartwheels and handstands. I said, well, that doesn't sound so bad. He goes, yeah, but I would do them like right on the edge of the banister and I'd have my feet hang over. So it was like precarious. I said, oh yeah, that doesn't sound so good. (laughs) I said, tell me why you were doing that. And he said, I just wanted to feel. I wanted to feel something. And sometimes you crave, you do those things that are even dangerous because a life without any kind of feeling is pretty blasé. So now again, I don't want to get into the complications of this particular client, but he was sexually abused as a child, and so he had shut himself off from all of his emotions. And he said, I just want to feel something because we can't live without emotions. A life without feelings isn't a life really at all. So if you find yourself engaging in risky behavior, you might want to ask yourself, well, why am I needing to feel this? Do I really need to feel fear? Or is that just a feeling, an emotion that I can access easily? What's beneath that? Why have I cut myself off from emotions? Why am I engaging in risky behavior? Now again, I like going on roller coasters. I like going to the haunted houses. I don't like going to horror movies anymore. I cut myself off from that a long time ago. But again, why? Because there's a certain arousal with that fear. And during that staged fear experience, going to a movie where you can control it, your brain actually produces more chemicals like dopamine, which elicits pleasure. Now again, there is a difference between fear and a phobia. You know, if you're a little uneasy, I I remember seeing Jaws as a kid well that was one of those kids and I still liked it this looks a little bit more hokey now but I I still enjoyed it Uh, for a long time though people who saw that said yeah I'm done with the ocean why oh I don't know I just don't want to get sunburned and I don't want to get eaten by that 30 foot long shark now again if you saw that movie and said yeah I'm staying out of the ocean for a while but then you got back on in on it in on the ocean that's just a fear that's not a phobia But if you were so traumatized by something that happened in your life, terrorized, that it put you to a place where you could no longer function, you could not just not go into the ocean, you couldn't even go to the beach anymore because that was too close. Well, then that's a phobia. So there's a difference between a fear and a phobia. Fear can be pleasurable. That fear response left unchecked is destructive. So fears are common. You know, you might have a a fear of snakes or something, but if you say, I'm never going outside, why? Well, uh, there might be a snake out there. There is a snake out there, but you'll be okay. So again, it becomes a phobia when it interferes with your ability to function and maintain a consistent quality of life. And you start taking extreme measures to avoid, say, the water because of that traumatic experience. Now, just seeing the movie Jaws, that can cause fear, and that can be pleasurable, and hopefully you got back into the water. But if you almost drowned, say, or you witnessed somebody drowning or some horrible accident on the water, then that becomes a phobia. And if you can't get beyond that, I'd say, hey, reach out and get some help. Now, again, there's the positive, there's the negative of fear. Fear also keeps you safe. So we don't want to give fear a bad rap. It's not about eliminating all sense of fear in your body because God gave you that sense of fear to keep you safe. It's a natural biological condition. And it's important to experience that fear. Fear keeps you from walking down the middle of a freeway. If you had no fear, no regard for safety, you would do all sorts of crazy things. So again, it's a complex human emotion that can be positive and healthy. But it can have negative consequences. So it's really about finding that place. A while back, I had a client and they have an autistic child. And I won't go into autism with any depth right now because it's complex. And people, adults and children, sometimes with autism have difficulty expressing or experiencing or articulating emotions. And their child, their response to the autism is they felt no fear. And so one day the parents came in actually petrified. They were the ones to feel afraid. What's going on, I asked. They said, well, our, our child, they, 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 they just ran out the door and they were all racing toward the street, this busy street. And all we could see is the terrible accident and our child dying. Now, the child had no reaction whatsoever but the parents had a huge response to it now even being in the presence of god to go back to faith for a minute can elicit fear so again even if you're living a faith filled life being faithful can cause fear and again you have to identify because i said as i said earlier you know perfect love casts out all fear but peter the apostle peter right one of the first disciples called and he was with Jesus. And basically, Jesus performed a miracle, which he performed a lot of miracles. And the disciples, yeah, they grew more accustomed to it. But this first miracle was a miraculous cast, catch of fish. That's it. <laughs> we don't have any fish. Ah, cast your net out over there. They cast it out, they caught a huge number of fish. And Peter was petrified. Why? It wasn't because of the fish. He was overwhelmed and everyone with him because they recognized that they were in the presence of God. So save your real fear where it's appropriate, your fear of God. Now, what did Jesus say? How did he address that fear? He said to them, there is nothing to fear. From now on, you're going to be fishing for men and women. In other words, you are going to be with me. You're going to do all kinds of crazy, wonderful things, but you don't have to be afraid. Jesus said, don't be bluffed into silence by the threat of bullies because there's nothing they can do to your soul, your core being. Save your fear for God, who holds your entire life, your body and your soul in his hands. Now, what are some of the do's and don'ts? If you're saying, yeah, Joe, I, I get it. Every once in a while, I go see a scary movie or I go on a roller coaster. Or I do something that's, you know, brings out that fear response. But now you can't turn it off. What do you do then? Well, the last thing that you want to do is to avoid avoidance. What do I mean by that? Well, there is that expression And even before Nike came up with it, I don't know if Nike came up with it, or maybe they should maybe I came up with it. I'll print it on a t shirt and make billions of dollars. But the only way to deal with fear is to face it. And that's a deeply held psychological principle. Because it might make you anxious when you face your fear. It's like, oh yeah, I don't wanna I don't wanna go into the water. That's it, Joe, I'm not going into the water. Now, Mr. Therapist, what do you think I should do? Uh, Go into the water. What? Yeah, go into the water. Now, you don't have to dive in. If you can, if you can actually bear it, I'd say, yeah, go as much as you can. Plunge into that fear, pun intended, face first. But you can be gentle with it. You just don't want to avoid it. So if you have a fear of getting back on that horse, so to speak, after you've been thrown, or you've fallen from the bike, or you got rejected on a date, you've got to go back and face that fear. You can take a break. You can say, okay, I did a little bit. Good. Celebrate that little victory. But now go back. Create an environment where you can say and celebrate any victories that you experience by facing your fear. Now, fear is milder than, say, PTSD. And again, I don't want to get into the complexities of PTSD, but basically it, it is a fear response, but typically from a traumatic ev- event that happened in your life. You know, you, you saw your friends die in combat. You witnessed a horrible accident, or you were in a horrible accident, or you were beaten. What can you do? Well, sometimes just sit in the presence of that. Just notice what's going on with you. People call this mindfulness. There's other words for it. But just sit quietly and observe the present moment. If you're feeling afraid right now, just say, what am I doing right now? Recognize it. Be curious about it. Observe the fear. Notice how it feels in your body. Where do I feel that fear? You know, it might be in your head. It might be in your chest. But notice the associated thoughts. Don't get too involved in the story, but don't try to ignore it or get rid of it. Just notice it. Oh, I'm afraid that I'm going to be dumped from this relationship. Just sit there. And if it becomes overwhelming, say, okay, let me just be aware of my breathing. What do I see in the room? I worked with a client one time and and she had been horribly abused for a long time over her entire childhood. I mean, trauma after trauma after trauma. And there are times she'd come into the office and God bless her that she was coming in wanting to heal. And and sometimes if I, I could see it just rising up, I'd say, okay, stop. Look around. Name a book that you see on my shelf. Man's search for meaning, Victor Frankl. Okay, what color is this lamp? Uh, it's beige. What do you see on the table? Candy and Kleenex. Tell me about your breathing. It's fast. Okay, just focus on that. So the best way to bring yourself into the present is just be mindful. See what's going on right around you right now. Now, what else can you do to actually identify the good of fear? And when it's not so good, what can you do about it? Well, there are quite a few things that you can do. And I'm going to get into it. But again, because this is such a big, big topic, I'm going to break it up. So you've been listening to the Joe Socorro Always Forward podcast. Fear, what to fear about fear and not fear about fear and what to do about it. We'll be back with part two of this episode.